This is Werewolf the Podcast, a podcast about the role-playing game, Werewolf the Apocalypse. Have you heard of high-level games? If you're a content creator looking to make your dream a reality, you need high-level games. High-level games does layout, editing, and development support such as Kickstarter and more. Even if you're not a creator and just want to enhance your game with exciting new supplements, go to highlevelgames.ca and check out Dark New England for V20. High-level games. We want to help you level up your role-playing game. Highlevelgames.ca Welcome to Werewolf the Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Josh Heath. We are joined by my co-host. Hi, I'm Carrie. Fantastic. We are here with Werewolf the Podcast to talk about Werewolf the Podcasty things. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> you can tell I am super on point with what's going on. Um, if so you there's like, this book. <laughs> there's a book that we're going to review, I'm pretty sure. If you are interested in supporting the podcast, we have a Patreon. You can find us on Patreon at Werewolf the Podcast. Uh, you can also find us on the internet on Twitter at Podcast Werewolf if you want to just yell at us for any reason or talk to us nicely. I prefer of those the things. talking nicely. It would be my preference. Well, because if I get yelled at, I'm going to yell back. And I yeah. get mom tone, and then people are like, you're mean. Watch me. So if you want to avoid that, just come <laughs> talk to us nicely and not yell at us. Um, so today we are going to be recording a podcast about the Wild West Companion, a source book for Werewolf the Wild West. This book was published in 1998 and written by everybody. It was <laughs> written by Brad uh, Bukovic, Jackie Casada, Ben Chessel, Lon Franson, Brian Glass, Michael Lee, Robert Scott Martin, Eileen E. Miles, James A. Moore, Devin Parker, and Fred Yelk, with development by Ed Hall, with Justin Achille and Ethan Skemp. So when I say everybody, I almost mean everybody, because uh, there were a ton of people, and there are a ton of great artists on this. James Daly, Dave Fuden, Tom Fowler, Darren Fridendahl, Jeff Holt, Fred Hooper, Brian LeBlanc, Robert McNeil, Jeff Parker, and Steve Prescott, and Brian LeBanc on the front cover. So... Lots of people. Yes. It's a lot of names. A <laughs> lot of names. And mm -hmm. hopefully they all appreciate the shout out now that we will eviscerate the book. No, I don't think we're going to eviscerate it. But I'm a little bit. Yeah. We'll, a little bit. This is an interesting book. Carrie, what were your thoughts uh, on the opening, on the, the cover? Of okay. So this cover really weirds me out because it's hazy. Yeah. Like, there's no reason for this artwork to look like it had a filter put over it. I don't know that it did, but it's just odd. Like, it looks like it's really early morning and it's misty out. But there is nothing about the Wild West Companion that feels misty. No, nothing at all, really. And so it just, it feels like maybe like, they had just put out a fire and so like there's smoke everywhere and that's what they're fighting about. The two werewolves are fighting like, you knocked over my kitchen fire. Ah, you know, and they're maybe. Okay, maybe, 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 who knows. But. Well, the, the thing is, is who knows what's going on with why it's misty one way or the other, that it, mm -hmm. it is weird. Yeah. And so that distracts from the rest of the artwork. 
So, which I think I, is an interesting piece, but it's also very much a here's a here's the dichotomy that this book is going to present. Sort of that there's this uh, conflict between European settlers and Native Americans, but this book doesn't necessarily have a ton on that. It has some on that, and it's in just an interesting piece, these two Garu fighting. I, I will say one thing positive. I really adore the cool, the cool blues and greens against the warm brown mm-hmm. of, the, of the title in the, um, the, I don't know what you would call the, the, the wood background. Yeah, yeah the border. Um, I really do. I do appreciate that. Because it's really contrasting and it's real, like, that does grab your attention, but then you're like, it's misty. And so it's weird then. Yeah, I almost wonder if it's a shot of the battleground, the umbral realm, the battleground. And huh? that could be the reason for it, but that maybe is me just trying to find a justification. Well, yeah, it. but there's nothing in the book where they really talk about the battlegrounds. No. So, like we may be just trying to fit things we know about werewolf to make it make sense. Yeah. It may have just been, Hey, here's a piece of art that got done. It looks good for a cover piece. Let's slap it on the cover. Yeah. 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 Which they have been known to do in the past. So. All right. So I'm going to get this out of the way. This book has done the largest, biggest art sin I ever thought possible. Okay. So when this came out, Werewolf and, and White Wolf, the company, was pretty big. Yep. And, and like, if you were an artist in the gaming circuit, you know, you wanted to be able to work on something for White Wolf. Like that, that was a, you know, that's, that's a notch. You know, like, woohoo, I got in, you know. Mm-hmm. They used a piece of art twice in this book. Oh, wow. I didn't they catch used that. The same piece of art. Like, I don't need, I don't care if you put crappy art in your book, at least have it different. Josh is going to go back to a project he's working on right now and delete an image, <laughs> a literal copy of <laughs> another piece that's in there. Just <laughs> keeping that note. <laughs> no, it, it's lazy. Yeah. It, it's, um, it's insulting because it's like, they won't notice because it's further in the book. No, I noticed. That's mm. one of the first things I noticed. Um, it's, a, it's a little ink drawing of a rattlesnake. You're right. And, and I, they use it twice. Do they at least flip it? No. Nope. So it's in the different direction? Nope. No, it's the same. It's totally it's the same piece. Literally the same image. And I just kept thinking, even if you had went and got a, a high school student and said, we need another image of a snake. It could have even been a snake. It could have been the same kind of snake, just a different image. That's fair. mm, It makes me wonder if they didn't do it intentionally. Well, that's even worse. Yeah. That means that whoever's doing your layout was just throwing art and hoping that it fit? You know, no. I have never done that before in a book. <laughs> Josh is going to have a private meeting with Carrie after this and uh, <laughs> ask for advice and ideas on not doing all of these things. Yeah. No, but 
at least for me anyway, and it could be that I'm, because I'm an artist, I'm close to this, mm -hmm. is that even if they, you know, like, we'll do it for exposure, like, that's less insulting than using the same artwork. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, okay, that was my, that, that's like my most offensive thing that I've noticed, that I noticed, but that was for Carrie personally. Fair enough. I think that's an absolutely fair critique. So, and I'm just going to leave it at that and say absolutely fair. Um, this book is a, it's a companion to the core book. Mm -hmm. So what's weird about it is it came out after the storyteller's book. Usually the companion comes out fairly soon after the core book. And this one came out almost near the end of the Wild West run. There's only one more book after this. It's a Wild West book. And it tries to encapsulate everything else that didn't make it into the core book, which means it's got a kitchen sink sort of feel to it. Yeah, yeah. And it means some of this is, is good. I'm not going to even say really good, but some of it is good. And some of it no, you is, know what? There is there is one thing, and we'll it's at the end, so we'll talk about it then. Mm -hmm. That I think is brilliant and makes this book worth having. Okay, is it the abomination rules? No, okay. no, because I hate the abomination rules. <laughs> I hate them. So I hate those... them. Oh, I hate them. Be okay, so an abomination is when a vampire bites a werewolf, and through a bunch of hoops and terrible things, they actually become a vampire werewolf but in every piece of literature and even in this book they say you literally have to botch your role to become a they said even black spiral dancers don't try to do this mm -hmm. and, and like everything and then in this book and everywhere else they go and even if you do become an abomination your first thought is to walk into the sun and die so there should be like there should be one abomination that's it yep and then to offer that as a rpable thing is just dumb yep well it's not the worst rpable option in this book but it is close to the worst so yeah there this is an interesting this is an up and down sort of book <laughs> we've already said that but it's absolutely true um and it's, it's hard right, to know where just, to start. Let's just dive in. Beginning. Yeah, let's just beginning start story. Beginning. Yeah. Um, there really, it, it, there is a beginning story. I almost said there wasn't because of the way the chapters are the, set up here. The layout is weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, the first section is told as by Laughing Miniskins, who... Oh, wait, no, wait, go back, go back. Oh, go back to the story itself? I want to go back to the story itself for just a moment. Okay. It's super boring. Yes, this is why I wanted to leap over it. The, the only exciting thing is the very end when they tell you who he is. Yep. And, and I don't know if we want to oh, ruin that. It's an ancestor of, um, of Samuel Hates. Mm -hmm. I think his father or grandfather probably. Yeah. His grandfather which is and, cool. Yeah. And so you're like, Oh, I, cause I like it when they tie things in, um, mm -hmm. you know, to, to the modern setting 
to that. So I was like, oh, that's great. That could have been a one-page story. Yep. It was super boring. And as a one-page story, I would have looked at that and gone, oh, cool. That's a cool okay. story hook. That, yeah, that's all I but, need. Thanks. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. This entire book suffers from just making everything too long. Yeah, absolutely. Like this companion is 200 pages. Not quite. Not even. 150. 140 yeah. didn't change. 144. Math. Which is probably 60 pages too long. Mm-hmm. And... The section right after this intro story by Laughing Many Skins is awkward for me because it's written in character and there's some like racism talked some? about. Some? Some. Uh, there's a lot. It um, is literally, they did not need, they literally, that first chapter could have been booted, all of it. Right. Literally, the chapter is just, hey, there's racist people out there. Yeah, we know. Thanks. Yep. And it could be because of the current uh, social climate and everything that's happening out there. Like, I read that chapter and it just aggravated me on all levels where I was just like, I don't want to read this book anymore. Like, it's just making me mad. Yeah, I got stuck on this chapter multiple times because I was like, I need to read this book, but this is... It talks about things like the Civil War. It gives mm -hmm. you some background on the whys of, of settler uh, life and cattle farming and things like that. It gives us the first instance of the rattlesnake. Um, but it does so in a way that I just, I wish this was out of character. It would have been, I think, better. Yeah. And having it be in character means that I've got to listen to this person's voice and the way they're telling it, and I just don't think it works. Yeah. You don't feel empathetic. You don't, like, you don't feel anything for this character, which in other instances I have. Right. When he's talked. Um, it, yeah, so it was just all... The, the big thing that I would take away from the first chapter is that if you want to learn about um, railroads for your game mm -hmm. is just watch hell on wheels. Oh yeah. That would be a much better introduction yeah. than this. And it'll, it'll, that, that show will take you down the racism and all of the things that happen, but at least you care about the characters. Right. You know, uh, this almost made racism just seem blase. Yeah. Which and is so not good. Gross. Like you it's need gross. to, right. You need to, when you're, talking about it at least feel something and not just be like oh yeah everybody's racist and horrible yes yeah but it, and like there's a whole there's a whole section on different religions which again like it felt real like just gross and like and if you want that in your game you'll do that research i don't need to know an npc's views on a bunch of different types of religion yeah, and they're, it being told in character makes his comments on Judaism and Buddhism in particular mm -hmm. kind of insulting to Judaism and Buddhism. And I'm well, like, it's insulting to all of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it was just bad. Um, 
the o the only other thing that I thought was cool is they do mention that there's pirate pirates in the in the bayou in the bayou, in and the I was bayou. like, yeah, yeah, and I was like, okay, yeah, that that could be fun to run. <laughs> But that was like the only thing that I went, oh, that sounds nice. I liked the sections on the various locations in the world, like in America, in here. I think it makes sense to talk about what the attitude towards the Civil War and things like that mm -hmm. were in this time frame and preceding the war and during the war and so forth. Like that's appropriate if I don't know anything about it, but I almost, if I'm running the wild west, I probably already know. And I, I feel like they spend a lot of word count on stuff that I'm like, I today would just go on the internet and Google this. I would very much have preferred because this is all with, with through the eyes of the NPC. I would have actually rather just had historical facts and then a sidebar with, um, views you know the vampire views the werewolf views or yeah. whatever that you know because they do that in the book later on yeah for the different uh, pharaoh which is great you know I've, i always, I always like that because that's that little bit of flavor yeah but i didn't i don't need the whole chapter to be flavor it's too much flavor yep. too much flavor yeah no agreed and it leans into one of the more frustrating tropes about Native American, about talking about Native American peoples, in that when it talks about Native American politics, it's like, oh, Native American people beat up on each other just as much as the settlers beat up on them. And yeah. it's like, not necessarily. And you and, simplified that way too much. Right. And it's, it's thousands of miles and hundreds of millions of people maybe not hundreds of millions, but millions of people yeah. condensed into a sidebar that is like, you just, you, mm -hmm. you need to give this a treatment if you're going to talk about it, not just yeah. kind of gloss over it in the short section. So this first chapter could go, and I think yeah, we'd absolutely. both be happy. Yep. Um, I felt exactly the same way. I kept coming back to read it and going, I don't, I, I, want to like some of what's in this book. I need this book for some things if I'm running this game, but I don't need that first chapter. Which brings us to chapter two, the storm. Umbrella. Okay. But I want to ask what is up with the terrible chapter title pages that you there can't is, even see that you can't even see. Like there is blur. That's what I actually thought. Maybe the front cover was, like hazy to represent the haziness that you can't read any of the chapter to, like i i mean i know i'm reaching but it was it, they're bad yeah they're nearly impossible to read the chapter titles who chose that like it may not have been intentional this may have been an issue between layout and printing yeah, yeah. um because i've seen stuff like this happen before where someone chooses a color and in layout and particularly, I think still at this time, they were doing uh, post-it note layout where they would <laughs> lay out a book physically, like slap mm -hmm. the art in places and things like that. Um, so maybe if we're being generous, that's what happened. Um, worst case scenario, though, it's just it doesn't look good. So, yeah. Yeah. 
but we do get a treatment on the storm umbra in chapter two, which I am actually really thankful for. Like, I think we needed more information about the storm umbra, what it's like to be in the umbra with the storm umbra going on. Um, so I feel like this chapter is a good chapter for that. Yeah. I actually wrote down a note because, you know, I don't normally make notes on, um, on rules so much as I do the, the, the more fluffy stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but this had the best, easiest to understand uh, ab about moon bridges, about traveling on moon bridges yep. that I can remember reading. Yep. They were like, if you get knocked off, this happens. You know, you go from A to B. This is what happens. Like they, you know, it was very simplified, but I was like, that's, that's what the core book should say instead right. of just being all, you know, magical stuff. <laughs> it's just not helpful. Whatever you want as a storyteller. It's like, no, yeah. I need a system for this, please. Well, no, they do actually say, uh, like, if you get knocked off, it's Gaia's will wherever you end up. Sure. But I went, I can work with that. Mm-hmm. Instead of just going, woojigal, 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 though, like, you know, like they, them actually going, anything goes is better than them just going, you know, stuff. Yeah. Uh. Yep. No, I agree with you. It's nice for them to be specific, but also open ended enough that you can run with it as a storyteller mm -hmm. and like build off from that. Um, I, I also thought they, they had um, the, the, the deets on um how to force open a moon bridge mm -hmm. and i i really like and it was very like this is what happens this is how how it happens this is why it happens this is how to do it and i was like ooh, okay i like that yep. was, and that's a thing if you're running a game in this time frame you're mm -hmm. probably either going to have happen to you yep or you're going to potentially do it as a group of players like i could see yeah. that happening like i mean it, I, I played in a LARP, you know, 15 years ago, and I had the the stone on me, and someone forced it open. Right. And it was, I mean, it was a great scene, but um, it, it was, uh, you know, it happens, even in modern day games, much less I could see it super happening in Wild West, so that was really nice to have that. Yep, yep. Absolutely good to have the rules for it. It would have been nice if they had included the Mind's Eye Theater rules in here. They didn't yeah. start doing that until the revised era, but um, that is a quibble. That is a yeah, minor, yeah, no, like, no, no. That's would have been um, nice, but not important. It, exactly. I do like most of the art in this section too. Um, there's one piece on page fifty-five that I really like, which is a, a werewolf in Krynos killing something. I'm not 100 percent sure what he's just killed, but it looks really cool. Had a skull and bumps <laughs> yeah some sort of like tendril leg things so it's yeah. neat like a spidery leg yeah yeah mm. Mm. sorry i'm glancing through the art now because in this section okay yeah yeah I'm sorry I, it's okay i like this just making sure chapter for all the reasons i've said it's hard to like find a specific section for me and be like this is a thing that I think is good because I think it's just, if you're running the Umbra in this era, you have mm -hmm. to know about the storm Umbra. You have to yeah. 
like know how it works and what the dangers of it are. And it gives you all of that in a really like effective <clears throat> way here. So I, this section did bring up a question to me that I don't remember reading in any of the other books about this. Do the shadow Lords have any kind of, um, specific feelings on the storm eater <laughs> like i would think because of their their um their tribal totem you'd think they'd be like they, a, they think they sort of relationship right or they'd even be like dude not cool <laughs> we got we got to stop this this is making us look bad and there's like never any mention either way like if i was playing a game and i wasn't a shadow lord i would be ragging on the shadow lords all the time yeah Hey, get your totem under control, even though it's not, you know, like, it, and there's never, as far as I could tell, ever been any kind of like good or bad mention of that. And that just seems like. It the, seems like they've just missed an obvious, like, yeah, plot point that could be cool because <laughs> right? Grandfather Thunder should have feelings on this whole like mm -hmm. storm that is in the Umbra, like taking over this entire section of the Umbra. Even yeah. if it's in a completely hostile, yeah. It mm -hmm. should be, the Shadow Lord should be leading the fight against the Storm Umbra, at the very least. Or yeah. maybe even trying to figure out how to work with parts of it, because I could see them doing that and being like, oh, we're, we're going to take advantage of this. And Yeah, yeah. There's just nothing. And it's like, oh. That's... Yeah, it's a shame, because there could yeah. be a whole lot of cool stories in that if they had decided to address it mm -hmm. yeah which brings <laughs> us to chapter three um which i feel like we can flip right through because oh no we're not <laughs> flipping through oh no we're gonna talk about that first piece of art that wonderful piece of art I, this art cracks me up so hard because it's it, I believe it's supposed to be a werewolf coming out of the Umbra. I think so, yeah. But he's coming out of the Umbra, and it looks like inside a cactus. Right. So, first of all, ouch. And, and second of all, it looks like he's like, you can't see me, I'm a cactus. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know what they were going for, but it just cracks me up because it's like, Ghost cactus. <laughs> and I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. And he's attacking what I think is a vampire, it seems uh, like. Something. It's it's definitely a... It could be a dancer in Glabro. Yeah, it could be. Something with kind of fangs. And he's grimacing and not happy looking. And, and pale eyes, his, no pupils. So. Yeah, no pupils. And he's holding his gun really awkward. So, you know. He's prepared for something, just the wrong way. What's up with his belt buckle? I don't know. That it's a jackalope, maybe. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Okay. It's definitely weird. So yeah, uh, this chapter, whatever chapter we're on, because I can't read it. It's is... chapter three, but yeah, I have no idea. Oh, it's called the fleshed out character. I never would have known that because you literally oh. can't read this. Yeah, no, you can't at all. Um, it's mostly just merits and flaws and all that fun stuff um i don't know if some i don't know if this is where most of these 
first appear or not, or if they're repeating merits and flaws from the core book or not, because they get all mixed up in my head for which mm. came first. Um, but this book, I mean, they've, you know, it's got nothing crazy jumps yeah, out at me. Nothing in here that I looked at and thought, this is, uh, this is amazing or this is offensive or anything like that. These seem to be, you're right, fairly standard merits and flaws from all of the merits and flaws that they yeah. put in books. The only one that jumped out at me that I was like, oh, is I had never noticed charmed existence before. Mm, that's a good one. And after reading it, that's the most powerful merit you can buy. For five period. points, too, yeah. Yeah, like, because literally you ignore botches or a single botch. You may ignore a single one on every roll on every roll you make, yeah, as though you roll. had an extra success. Every yeah. roll. <laughs> that's insane. It is, and that's, like, not just stopping you from botching, but it's also going to help mm -hmm. you succeed and be more successful. There, there's no reason, if you are power gaming, there is no reason to pick anything but that merit. Yeah, because it applies to every single situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It is one of those ones that I would be like, yeah, no, we're not going to allow yeah. that merit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, even as a seven-point merit, there'd be no way I would allow that. Yeah, no, it's huge. And then the other question I had because there's also gifts in this section. Yep, that's right. And under the Black Fury gift, and of course I didn't write down the page number I'm looking right now, is a gift called Anger Anger the Goddess. Anger of the Goddess, yeah. Anger of the Goddess. Um, but then it says that an avatar of Gaia herself is the only spirit that teaches this gift. Does she have avatars? Am I just... Not rem I thought there weren't any avatars of Gaia. Like, I thought that was the whole point, is no one could talk to Gaia. This is the weird thing, is that <laughs> sometimes <laughs> Werewolf is like, oh yeah, werewolves go and talk to Gaia all the time. Okay. And then they're like, give like, the I impression thought, that that doesn't happen. Like, I thought that was the whole point of Legends. It was like, that was the big deal. Yeah. But, it okay. is a level five gift. But, it's an elder, though. That's not legend. That's yeah, an elder. That's Anyone true. can become elder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's it's the, there's a good story hook there, but it's the question of like, I'm gonna get this obscure gift in this book that's a mm -hmm. fairly obscure book, and then I'm going to find an avatar of Gaia. I have to convince my storyteller that that is something that we're going to do in this game. Yeah. I just yeah it has so many potentials to just not happen. Right. All it does is create a natural event. Mol well, the full force of the goddess strikes the target. Multiple lightning bolts, a tornado touching down at his feet. But it doesn't really give mechanics for any of that. Right, and it can hurt, and it hurts everyone. Yeah, like, so you're Not like just your enemies, it just wipes everybody out. That's not a great gift. You yeah. know, don't, don't do that. Just spend your points and get charmed existence. <laughs> right. It would be way more worthwhile. Yeah. Hmm. I honestly haven't read through most of these gifts because unless I'm actually playing something, I generally ignore them. 
Yeah. I'm not going to spend a lot of time reading through these unless I specifically want to know, like, what can I, what do I have as options? Right. Yeah. Um, I glanced through them. You know, I, I I read the ones that I didn't remember, mm -hmm. but you know, there weren't besides that, that was the only one that I went, what? Yeah. This chapter also provides the tribal weaknesses, which if you haven't used, if you weren't using them, you might not want to, because some of the tribal weaknesses are pretty terrible. Um, it's one of the things that in LARP, tribal weaknesses were a given. Um, yeah. After, I think the Red Book made them, like, assumed you were definitely going to have a tribal weakness. Um, mm -hmm. So pretty much assumed there, but in tabletop, it was not. And I would prefer not to have the tribal weaknesses in tabletop, personally. That's just my general I So I've always enjoyed playing the tribal weaknesses, mm -hmm. um, but I also understand that it's not for everybody. Right. Um, but, you know, that's I, I like playing characters that are hamstringed and... and I, uh, I don't mind having negatives and having drawbacks. It's one of the things mm -hmm. I liked about the LARP rules was you had an innate like drawback to your character. I think what I don't like is I don't like some of the drawbacks. Like some of them are really severe drawbacks and some of them are like role-playing. I'm going to have to like, I think the Get a Fenris one is contempt. Like you have to have some sort of thing that you are prejudiced against. Yeah. And there are so many times I've seen that played poorly in a way that's super harmful. Yeah. And um, it, there are, then, then there's the Child of Gaia one, which is just kind of like, you must accept pleas for mercy or offers for surrender. And that those two don't seem to be on the same par of like, like depth. Um, see, I, I disagree. But okay. that just, you know, it it also depends on who your storyteller is. Sure. Because, you know what, if you're a child of Gaia and you've got a, a Fomori who's pleading for their life, like, then yeah. suddenly you're in trouble with your entire pack because you didn't kill this Fomori. And then it gets brought up to the Sept and then, you know, like, it, you know, then you're getting punished for it, you know, or your pack's getting put. Like, I, I think it just... I think that the weaknesses have to be handled with care. Right. And with an understanding that if your players or your staff ever become uncomfortable, you just need to be like, you know what? I'm, I'm not feeling this right now. Can we back away yeah, for can a we little do a, bit? A, a, a blind or shade or whatever. Yeah. Or, or you know what? I've realized that having my character hate Fianna isn't going to work. Can I change it to something else? Right. And you know, you've just got to, you've also got to be open as a player to know if the weakness or something negative about your character, if it is hampering someone else's role play to go, you know what? My role play is not more important than making someone feel safe or comfortable or right. that, or their fun. Right. If we keep putting everyone else's fun on the same level or above ours, we make our game better. Yeah, agreed. Wow, I just slipped into on a roll. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. I yeah. was like, uh, I was like, and on a roll. <laughs> Wait, sorry. <laughs> nope, not a problem. Um, I think that brings us into our storytelling chapter two, 
which <laughs> that was good storytelling advice. So <laughs> it was a good segue. Um, except like this chapter is mostly about like creatures you can fight. It gives you stats for things like the Chupacabra, which I didn't know that I needed. <laughs> but we did! <laughs> <laughs> you've got the jackalope, you've got cows, you've got dogs, you've got mountain lions, you've got the rattlesnake again. Mm-hmm. Which you're absolutely right. It's the same picture, it's just smaller this time. Yeah. Even a pterodactyl. We've got a pterodactyl in here. I actually would have preferred more of the monsters mm-hmm. and less of, this is a bear. Or give me just a list of, here's the stats for a bear. You don't have to give me notes on a bear. Right. You know, you don't have to give me notes on a sheep and a pig. I'm good. I know what those are. Give me what their stats are and then give me more monsters. Yep. It feels like having written a section similar to this in a book that is forthcoming, it feels like the person didn't know what to write. And so they were like, I'm just going to write these up. That might be helpful. And yeah, then they, the developer maybe. got it and was like, oh, crap. Well, this is what we got. Okay. We've, like, we've got to fill some space. So uh, unless we want more snake, you know. Like, <laughs> right. So we're going to roll with it. Yeah. Um, it would have been fine to have like a quick stat like list. That would have been much yeah. easier than having to fill a page rather than four pages, five. Yeah, it was a lot. It definitely it feels like it. Um, but this chapter gives us something which I think is really cool, which is mass combat rules, like army rules, which this is the only time I've seen that in a werewolf book. Um, yeah. Unless we see it later on, I will be impressed. But um, they're not amazing, but they're not bad. <laughs> yeah. You know, it felt it felt a little miniature-ish, like, yeah. I, like I should be pulling out a map and putting down tokens and things, which is fine if that's what you like. Yeah. I just, you know, I, for me, werewolf is always a little bit more intimate, mm-hmm. you know, like, and so like that didn't, it didn't appeal to me as a storyteller or a player, but I could see where it would appeal to other people. Yeah. I run, and I'm about to start running a birthright inspired game, which birthright is all about like armies and ruling a kingdom and so forth and mm-hmm. so on. So for me, when I saw mass combat rules and like army rules, I'm like, oh, I'm interested to see what they do with them <laughs> right. at the very least. But I've never run that in Werewolf. I've never had like an army level thing because that would That's be a, really weird. It's a lot of werewolves. It would be an outrageous amount of werewolves. <laughs> It'd be all the werewolves in the world, probably, mm-hmm. you know, depending on what numbers you're going by. Um, one of the weirdest pieces of art is in that <laughs> section too, though. Yeah. So it's just, it's weird to suggest a section and then be like, you've got a content warning on baby monster things. So keep that in mind, folks. There's a, and I don't remember what they were called in one of the other Wild West books. There's a baby monster. I'm not sure what it's called either. I don't remember what it's called. But yeah, I think that's what it was supposed to be. But yeah, it's like a bazillion baby monsters like tearing into a, a werewolf. Yeah, and the werewolf looks like they're not doing well. No, yeah, no. The werewolf will not make it. Which 
kind of interesting. Um, well, if, to cleanse your palate of that, I'm going to suggest everyone that has the book go look at the piece of art that's on 104. So you could just be like, what? And it, it'll, it'll cleanse your palate of being disturbed by baby monsters. It is clearly the beast from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> but a cowboy. But a cowboy, yes, exactly. But he's not even holding the gun. There's just a, no, a floating gun. Gun happens to be on top of his head. It's like a card. Like if they had put that on, on one of the playing cards. Yeah, I would have felt better. Yeah, it would have looked good. <laughs> No, not good. No, okay. But it would have looked better. It would have looked better. No, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean. It's just, it's just odd. Yeah. Like, it's a, uh, it. Yeah, I think maybe it's a medis. I think could be, but I don't know. It's just, yeah. I it could just be a weird looking, um, crinos also. Yeah, yeah. It looks like he almost started to have human face in crinos. Yeah, but not quite. Like he's got glabro face in Krynos. Right. Weird. Uh, well, that would be again a chapter like there. Most of the chapter is useful. I could see using it as a storyteller, um, but it brings us into chapter five, which is one of the ones that I think is really useful, and I have a huge rant on at mm. the same time. Okay. The Bunyip are one of the most Okay, so stop, Josh. <laughs> Chapter five is about, uh, it's called The Wanderers of Other Trails. And the only reason I know that, because you can't read the, the actual thing, <laughs> is because it's on the bottom of the pages also. Um, and it's about other pharah that you can play. And it basically, like, there is um, a list of pharah in, um, in the Storytellers book. And yeah. then... This is like the rest of them, basically. The ones that they, I think, are like, you could potentially play these. It is appropriate in the location we are running the set, yeah. Right, right. Except they give us the bunyip. <laughs> so the bunyip are Australian pharah that we have heard about before. We heard about them in Rage Across Australia. And this is the the second time we get full rules for them, I think. But I don't understand why you would find an Aboriginal, Australian Aboriginal pharaoh in the United States in a way that makes any sort of sense. And they give you two examples of like ones to like use to do it. But then they say these are probably the only two that would ever be there. The only two right. examples that this could work. Right. And both of them are so rage-filled that they're, they're not really... They're great NPCs. Oh, yeah. They're solid NPCs that I could use. They, yeah, but you cannot... You couldn't play any of those as a PC. Like, no. how horrible. Like, my life was terrible and I'm going around killing everyone that ever wronged me. Oh, you're playing vampire? You <laughs> right. know, because... Yeah. So I think that they were just so excited going, this is happening at the same time that there are still Bunyip alive. Right. That they were like, this is the only place that will ever be appropriate, even a little bit, to put these rules in. That's fair. But what they could have done and what would have made me totally accept this is do a mini chapter on Australia at the time 
and mm -hmm. say, you know what's another frontier country at this time with settlers and this whole settler situation absolutely. happening is this country. And it's absolutely a parallel to the American West, almost identical actions and behaviors and attitudes happened. The same type of colonialism occurred. Give me a mini chapter yeah. on Oz and then say, here are rules I'm playing a bunyip. And I would have been totally on board with it. I would have been yeah. like, yes, this makes sense. Now I know how to run a story here and I can play a bunyip if I wanted to play a bunyip. Yep. Okay. That's my rant. That's That wasn't even that was that was a pretty calm rant. That was pretty okay. That was just more like this doesn't make sense. I I suppose. I <laughs> You want to rant more? I probably could, but no. Um let's continue <laughs> on. Um it does provide all the other pharaoh as well. Um the Ananasi, not the all the other pharaoh, but Ananasi the Garal the Qualmi. That Garal does it was that Garal piece in the Garal yeah, book? I'm 90% sure that Garal piece was in yeah. the Garal book as well. I mean, that's that's pretty pretty high on my uh, art sin list as well, but it's not as high as using the, it in the same book. Sure. Twice. Using it in a different book is at least a little bit better. It's a little better. Not much, though. That's fair. All right. I will not say anything. Um <laughs> It also gives us the rules on abominations, which I, I wish had just been a different chapter. I wish they had put this in an appendix afterwards and said, hey, like it feels weird coming where it does. Like you're like, okay, I could play this. I could play this. I could play this. Oh, abominations. Uh, yeah, no. I play this storyteller and I'd have been like, nope, no, you cannot. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, no. That's am, like playing a BSD. Just no, right, don't just do no, it. Not do it. Um, I am totally okay with using abominations as NPCs. I have done it. Mm -hmm. I am a hundred percent on board with it. You can have one. You could have even two if you're going crazy. Um, but as a player character, no, it's never going to happen. Yeah. And if you want to play an abomination, become a storyteller and run one in your games. <laughs> that is the way to do it. Yes. It also gives us information on the Los Infelizos, which we had a conversation on our Discord about. They are my favorite thing ever in this book. Yes. There's also so some really, like, the way they're written is kind of frustrating, though, because they're based on real people that really exist that are, are an actual group. So um, just be warned reading into this that it's, kind of written from a like a semi-offensive standpoint but I think you can do a lot with this group of werewolves that have been abandoned by the rest of the nation mm -hmm. and I think there's some interesting stories in this idea of hey we're a group of people that have kind of an offshoot religious vision of both Christianity and Gaia worship what does that yeah. look like? Um, that's a really interesting idea. I wish they had done that, done more of that. Like there should be religions in the Garo Nation, not a single religion, because there's lots of 
cultural difference between each of the tribes that would spawn like different um, cults and different religious attitudes. So I like that, mm -hmm. but it, it's definitely written from the uh, look at how horrible these werewolves are, which they're not really horrible. They're not doing anything that's wrong. They're, there's, uh, I think they are. I, okay, what you what you can see is I'm making a face at Josh going, really? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, they're they're crucifying each other. Like sure. That's no. <laughs> like they're they're clearly ill. Like I would give you that they are not intentionally wormy. Right. But they are very much their actions are all wormy. And, and they are, um, they are a, a offshoot that either needs to try to be rehabilitated or contained. Yeah. Yeah. They absolutely need some form of like, Hey, we need to educate or, or like bring these werewolves back into the, like, mm -hmm. uh, into the, the field as it were. Um, but I don't think there's anything necessarily the way that they're written is like, these are bad. These are an enemy to serve and be exterminated. Mm -hmm. And I don't like that tack from it. I would rather yeah. it be like, these are totally wayward people who need like care and res like responsible, um, uh, care it's the only word i can think of given to them oh, i was gonna say fathers yeah well the fathers would be a step in the right direction yeah um, um or, I, I think or i think that well no the whole point is that the fathers left them right that you know that's the literally the story of them but i i think that i understand what you're saying but i think that i don't think it quite I think it rides the line between they're really messed up people and their enemies. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, cause I've used them in a, in a wild West LARP. We used them one time and it was fantastic. You know, we, we had our, our player base had no idea what to do. Like they kept bringing them supplies going here. <laughs> right. Because we want to help you. And they were like, praise the mother. You know, and they were like, whoa. <laughs> you know, and it's like, I actually enjoy reading how they um, interpret, interpreted it, um, Catholicism. Yes. Way more than the way the Sabbat do in Vampire. Yes. Like, it didn't feel insulting as a Catholic. I wasn't uncomfortable reading about them as much as I was uncomfortable reading whenever I read anything about Sabbat. Yeah. Well, the Sabbat is clearly intentionally um, mm -hmm. blasphemous. And yeah. these folks are much more heretical without necessarily being like intentionally heretical. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Overall. I also like just calling them the infilies. Because they in call them that. Yeah. That's just fun to say too. <laughs> it is a uh, an uh, an interesting way of saying it. Sorry, I'm getting like 
kitted at the same time while trying to record this. That's so. okay. I'm making faces at her, so that's probably not helping. No, it's all right. Um, overall, what were your thoughts on the book? Yeah, it's a book. No, I think yeah. that there are a couple things in this book that are really awesome, and there's a lot that is just meh. Yep. I think on my end, there's a lot in this book that I would grab this and read it and say, this could be useful to you, but there's so much that's meh or out outright, I don't know if I need this in my book, yeah. that it takes away from the overall like quality of the, the stuff that I'm like, I want this or I need this to run a specific type of game. Right. Like, I wish I could tear out like 10 pages. Right. And just keep those 10 pages and then I'd be good. Yep. I would take those army rules in particular, like in, I'm contemplating, uh, I've been working yeah. very slowly on a storyteller's vault product called um, rules on ruling, mm -hmm. which it would be if you were in charge of like a domain in vampire or in werewolf, you're in charge of a sept, what it would be like to actually be in control of large groups of people, Ugh. which okay. again, if that's your thing, right? it's cool to have rules for it. And if it's not your thing, you're just being like, I don't want to do this in my game. Um, totally valid, one way or the other. Um, but I would take these rules now, and I'd probably take them wholesale, switch them around a little bit, add some things to it, and go, ha-ha, here's a new thing. And right. that would, I think, be a, a good way to use this book. So like I said, I think that if you can pick and choose there's a couple things in here that are worth it but overall i don't think this is a book that is necessary there so out of silver revolvers uh mm -hmm. 10 silver revolvers how many silver revolvers would you give this book five okay that's more than i expected i really like the infeelies fair enough i think i would give it six in sections and four in other sections because <laughs> I'm going to completely like make up my own rules. So sure, sure, sure. Five is probably accurate in okay. what I would give it. Five silver That's revolvers. Fair. Yeah. Okay. All right. So if you're trying to collect all the books, definitely get it. If you're if you're just like, hey, I've got extra money <laughs> and I'm bored, then yeah, but it isn't necessary. Yeah. You could run a great Wild West game without this book. Mm -hmm. um, you using the merits and flaws from one of the later books, the 20th anniversary book. Yeah, it would totally be appropriate. Um, even having just the core book and not having any merits and flaws, you could run this fine uh, without this book. So, yeah. Okay. So right, on, there we on, go. On that note, um, until we get an answer to when will you rage, we'll talk to you again next time.